It's been a while since you guys have seen me. My name is Doug. I am a Christian. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So excited to be here this morning. Um, <clears throat> we had a, we're testing a new sound system, just kind of, this one's demoed to us, so if I sound different, uh, that's why. Um, we just recently came back from a, a conference that was exciting, so exciting. It is incredibly awesome to be with like-hearted people, amen? Now, notice I didn't say like-minded, because if we all thought alike, we'd all drive Fords. Just saying. But like-hearted people that want to see Jesus made famous. <clears throat> that is my passion. That's what drives me. And I believe that's what's going to take us into the future. Our hearts, our collective hearts to make Jesus famous. Amen? Amen. I want to also thank Max. What a great job, Max. You knocked it out of the park. I appreciate Max's prophetic word, his prophetic heart, his prophetic insights, because, you know, it's like as the ship goes in the ocean, up in the crow's nest is where the prophets live, and they're the ones looking out far beyond the beyond, and God speaks to them something that down on the deck we can't see, but they all work together because the prophets shout these words down, and then the apostolic ministry on the ship all of that stuff works together to make sure we avoid or make course corrections so we end up in the place we need to be. Amen? Amen. To me, that's the simplest way I can explain how the prophetic works. But this morning, I do want to speak a word that I think is prophetic for such a time as this. Okay? And turn with me to Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to hover there. I want to say that Tamara had no way of knowing that the message of my word today, the, the title I would say is, By My Spirit Says the Lord. Isn't it beautiful how that works? I love that. Oh, you guys got to get more excited than that. So let me give you a little context here. I'm going to take you back to 538 BC. There was a man named Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, boy, that's a mouthful. That's like a Scrabble word. He was the leader of the tribe of Judah. And he was part of the first wave of Jewish captives that returned to Jerusalem. The Persian king at that time was Cyrus. And Cyrus appointed Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel boy, I had too much caffeine this morning again, as the governor of Judah. And right away we see Zerubbabel began rebuilding the temple with the help of Joshua, who was at that time a high priest. Not the same Joshua that we saw earlier, but a different Joshua. But I'll tell you, this rebuilding wasn't without pushback. Fifty years prior to that, the first temple had been leveled. That was the temple that Solomon built. It was beautiful. It was incredibly opulent. I mean, it, it, it had all the bells and the whistles. And it had been taken out and knocked down and nothing but a pile of rubble. The Persian king sent 
sent Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel back to Jerusalem. Ezra, the high priest, he was sent there to restore worship. And then we read, and all of this comes from the book of Ezra. Okay, this is all historical context I'm just giving you now. Nehemiah came back and rebuilt the wall. He built the wall around Jerusalem. And then Zerubbabel comes in, and his job was to rebuild the temple. Okay? It took Zerubbabel something like two years to rebuild just the foundation of the temple. And, and the construction, as just kind of a, a really critical note here for a moment you pay attention to, was that when they started building the foundation, there were these Samaritans who were friendly to them, but really they were very hostile, and they hid their hostility, and they were undermining everything that Zerubbabel and his team were doing. And they were very discouraged, very discouraged. In fact, as a result of the opposition, the, the construction of the second temple that Zerubbabel was building stopped. It sat for something like 17 years unfinished. Can you imagine being that person that, whoa, you started this thing because, you, man, you were going forward and all of a sudden it stopped and you walked by it every day for 17 years. How many of us have had a dream or a vision God's laid on our heart, but for some reason it's been shelved and we've been walking by it every day for years? Yeah, many of us. So finally, God is always, God is so amazing. He sends his prophets. And he sends his prophets, Haggai and Zechariah. And he sends them to encourage and to support Zerubbabel. This is all in Ezra. And the work on the second temple is resumed and begins to happen. And four years later, the temple was completed and dedicated with incredible fanfare. You can read about it. It's, it, was a, it was a great moment. But what was the catalyst? What was the starting point for Zerubbabel to go, yes, I can do this. I can do this. 17 years is a long time. This is a harsh environment these people live in. And I don't think they had Geritol back then. So something energized Zerubbabel. Let's find out what that was. Turn with me now to Haggai, but just remember Zechariah 4, but turn to Haggai chapter 1. Haggai only has two chapters. It's a pretty simple read, but it's a powerful book. Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first year of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came. Ah, there's the catalyst. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Man, those are tough names. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, these people say, that group of people, not you guys really, but that group of people over there, they say... The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Interesting. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. <clears throat> you know, again, seven year, 17 years of just staring at rubble. Sitting on one side, a foundation started on the other. And there's a group of people that are still saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. It is, and it's a question, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? 
Is it a time for yourselves to be living in these beautiful, opulent houses? Paneled houses had cedar inside. I mean, they were gorgeous houses. And these people were living the life. And God says, yeah, you guys are doing that, but why is my house sitting in ruins? Why is it my house being built? Now listen to what happens here. This is so important. I want you to really concentrate. In verse 5 it says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Now pay close attention. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but are never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm enough. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I have heard countless people in, in, in this wonky season we're in just saying, it just seems to never work. It's like I, I, don't, I never have enough. What I put my hand to doesn't, it just seems to fail. It just seems to dry up. Nothing's going right. <clears throat> Things that make you go, hmm. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now listen closely. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Go, go up and get what you need. The resources are on the hills. They're around. Go get them, bring them back and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. I have never been able to figure out this math, and I don't want to know how it works, but I've always watched this happen in our own personal lives, and that is as we've honored God, he honors us. We're not rich. We don't live on top of a high hill, but we're rich in the spirit. We're rich in the things of God. We honor God, and everything always seems to work. You guys have heard our stories of being in ministry where, where we had nothing and, and, and God gave food and we were able to bless people in the times that we needed. We had 70 people living at the A Street house. And, and people, bills would come in and stuff. And, and at the end of the month, my wife and I have always been big on honoring God. And we always wanted to make sure we were always, always in the black and not the red. And if it came down to the end of the month and we needed $72.37 and it wasn't there, God would bring this lady and this little girl and she would show up in this old Chevy Biscayne, three on the tree, column shift, smoking like crazy, bouncing springs, <laughs> bouncing in the driveway. And she would run in the house, this little girl, and she'd hand us an envelope. This is the gospel truth. You can ask my wife. Some people look at me like, you're crazy. It would always be exactly what we needed. No more, no less. God always provides if we honor him. So here's what God goes on to say, says the Lord. You expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. I called, I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and on livestock and on your labor and the labor of your hands. <coughs> wow. That's resonating, ringing some bells. It's kind of quite the opposite of Matthew 6. 
where Jesus goes into, man, don't worry about, do the birds, they worry about stuff? God takes care of everything, guys. If you seek first his kingdom, if you seek first his righteousness, and he says, all these things will be given to you as well. As we honor God, he will take care of us. Let's go on. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joseph, or Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of people, of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord. I know that many of you are hearing God in this moment, but are you obeying? Are you defaulting to looking through the lens of your own understanding? Because God is speaking. It's getting kind of quiet in here. The people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Not with shaking in their boots. There was an awe and, a, and this reverence of, yes, Father, forgive us. We forgot you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the provider, the giver of life, of everything. And I owe you my all. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord, this is all within the context of rebuilding this temple. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. God stirred up the entire, the entire tribe. He stirred them all up. Not just onesies, twosies, but everybody came into that moment. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. On the 24th day of the sixth month, they rebuild. They begin to rebuild. It started with obedience and the word of the Lord. God is speaking. In chapter 2, it goes on. The 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. This is where it gets interesting. And I'm going to go on just a little bit down here a little bit. Verse 3, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? There were Jews who were present watching this being built who had actually been in an experience about 48 to 50 years earlier, Solomon's temple. They'd actually walked in it. They'd experienced it. How does it look to you now? He's looking at this new temple. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. God is with them. God is with us. This is what I I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now, just a sidebar note. Oh, by the way, speaking of sidebar notes, Ernie. You know, he loves to say sidebar notes. I got to talk to him. Hey. Woo! Oh, it was so awesome. You know, I didn't want to interrupt any, interrupt any of the protocol up there, but I called Glenna, and she said, please, give him a call. So I did, and, and you know, he's off, he's off that ventilator, all the ugly stuff, and he's a little raspy, but he's coming back, and he's on his way to rehab. Yeah. Woo! God is hearing our prayers for that, brother. And I have a feeling he's going to come back swinging for the fences. Amen? So, sidebar note. Thank you, Ernie. As the second temple was re- being rebuilt, there was this a group of Jews, again, I said, from Jerusalem, who were rather disappointed. 
And these were the older Jews, again, who remembered the old temple. And they regarded what Zerubbabel was building as a poor substitute for the original. To their minds, it didn't even begin to compare with the beauty and the size and the scale of Solomon's temple. Not even close. These were the naysayers. These were the ones that came alongside and said, gosh, we didn't do it that way. That's not how it's done. How many have ever experienced that? The naysayer. You have a vision, you start to put it out there and like, can't do it that way. That ain't going to work. Oh, that's not how we did it. You're holding it wrong. I only have one hand to hold it with. When I first started cutting meat, some of you know I'm a journeyman meat cutter by trade years ago. But I remember when I first started, I was in high school, just out of high school, started my apprenticeship, and I came in, and this meat cutter is trying to tell me to hold the knife with my hook. I said, it doesn't make sense, because this is the meat hook. Meat hook. This is what I'll hold my knife with in my left hand. Oh, no, you can't do that. That's not how we do it. And I remember the, the manager walking in going, that's how he's going to do it. Leave him alone. <clears throat> So it's true, in all fairness, that Zerubbabel's temple was built on a much smaller scale. Now, later, Herod enlarged this hugely, but it was still the original second temple. And, and you've got to remember that also Solomon's temple did, did contain the Ark of the Covenant, which is now no longer in the possession of, of God's people. And at the first temple's dedication, if you read anything about it, as the altar is set into this fire comes down and ignites the, the, the altar on fire and, and the Shekinah glory of God fills the temple. And they're all standing there at this second temple and, and they're not witnessing anything like that. But God is speaking. Zerubbabel, this is okay. Something greater is going to happen. And, 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 Zet, and Haggai prophesied that the second temple would one day have, the, have a magnificence in it and on it that would outshine the glory of the first one. That's incredible. Why? Because 500 years later, we see Jesus walking into that temple. And Jesus put his feet in that very temple that Zerubbabel built that the naysayers said, we don't do it that way. This is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and what is desired by all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. Who is the house of the Lord today? It's us. God's glory is coming, guys. He's going to fill us with glory. He says, I will shake the nations. That's what we're seeing today. There's an incredible shaking. What's that song? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. It, forgive me. Shaking, going on like crazy. I will shake the nations. But it says, and what is desired by all the nations will come. I believe, I believe with all my heart that people may not know it, but they truly want peace. They truly want the glory of God to fill their hearts and to fill their homes. Right? Am I right? I mean, if I'm not, you can tell me, but... The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Woo! 
Now remember, God sent, God sent the prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to encourage and to support Zerubbabel. That's why he sent them. God brings prophetic words at that moment when we need comforting and encouragement and maybe a little, you know, a little admonishing to kind of get going. Let's go to Zechariah, back to Zechariah 4. I want to share with you quickly a vision that Zechariah had. Zechariah was an interesting prophet. He had four visions. He's one of the minor prophets, <clears throat> but he's a big hitter. He had eight visions, but one of the visions he had, um, there may have been others, but uh, I count eight, but Zechariah had this one vision that was designed just for Zerubbabel and what was going on. And it's starting in uh, chapter 4, just verses 1 through 7. That's all the farther I'll go. But it says, verse 1, Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who's wakened out of his sleep. I don't know about you, but when I get woke in the middle of the night, <clears throat> I'm really not at my best. You're kind of like, whoa. You know, you're kind of shaking off that slumber, right? And the angel, and he asked me, so this angel speaking to me says, what do you see, Zechariah? So I said, I'm looking, and there is a lamp of a lamp stand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. Now, that wouldn't be too unusual because he's shown him something that would have been in the temple. And on it, a stand of seven lamps. Now, this is where it gets interesting. With seven pipes to the seven lamps, two olive trees are by it, and one at the right of the bowl and one at the other is on its left. So here you have these seven lamps with seven pipes, conduit, coming from two olive trees. Now that is unusual. So Zechariah asked for an explanation, verses four through five. He says, so I answered and, and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these? What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, no, Lord, I don't. What he saw was simple, but it was highly unusual. He saw these lampstands with lamps that were being supplied with oil directly from pipes that were coming from two olive trees. Now, I have this feeling, this is me, that the olive trees represent the word of God. I believe, we've got to remember that everything in the Old Testament is, which way for you guys, is looking forward, okay? And I believe it's a representation of the, the Old and the New Covenant. And it's God's word, it's God's spirit flowing with truth into this big golden bowl. So verse 5 says, do you not know what these are? The angel was wanting to make sure that, that Zechariah knew that he must come to an understanding of the meaning of this vision. It's kind of a bummer when you have a vision or someone shares something with you and you have no clue what it means. The angel really wanted him to understand. So here's the meaning. Verses 6 and 7. The meaning was, this was how Zubarel would accomplish the work that God had given him to do. And it was by the Spirit of God. That's how he was going to accomplish the work. And here it is. So he answered and said to me, the angel, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Do you hear that? This was the answer. This was the solution to the challenge that Zerubbabel was thinking. Not by your might, Zerubbabel, or nor will it be by your power, but by the Spirit of God. This is going to go forward. And his heart linked in and walked lockstep with God and his word. So 
Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You know, the work of God needs resources, but not the resources of human might or power. Does God need us? He certainly uses us, but to think that God absolutely needs me doesn't go very far. You know, might tends to focus on collective strength, such as the resources of an army or a group of people. You know, you get a bunch of brothers and sisters in here to work on a project, it's done, okay? There is, there is collective strength. There is might in, in, in a group of people. And, and power, power tends to focus on individual strength. But God is saying to Zerubbabel through this word that not by the resources of many or one, but by my spirit. You've got a lot of helpers, but it's going to be my spirit that's going to make this happen. And it won't be your cleverness. It won't be your ability to pull a rabbit out of the hat. It's not going to be your physical strength. It's not going to be your college degree. It's going to be by my spirit. You guys hearing this? The necessary resources. The necessary resources for God's work is the Holy Spirit. And God promises Zerubbabel incredible rich resources, but all of it will be found in following the Spirit of God. Guys, it is the same Spirit that helped Zerubbabel build the temple that was at the beginning of the creation. It's that rock of God. That spirit that breathed life into creation was hovering in the beginning of Genesis and, and there was nothing but chaos and darkness and the word of God spoke. Let there be light. And God created beauty. It's the same breath that parted the Red Sea and closed it. It's the same breath that was with, his, with Ezekiel in, in, in the valley of the dry bones, and they were dead in the army, and he spoke and breathed his life into it. And what happened? They came to alive, and they formed an army. Verse 7 finishes out, What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and you will bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. Wow, wow. Zerubbabel, it was prophesied by Haggai, God was so pleased with Zerubbabel and his willingness to just follow the Spirit of God in rebuilding God's house that he made them like a signet ring. And he was the one, Zerubbabel was the one that got to set the capstone, that very last stone on the temple. And you know what he shouted? Grace, grace. When, when all the work that we attempt to do is done through human might and power... We can take credit for it, but I'm telling you, when work is done by the continually, continual supply of the Holy Spirit, then all the glory goes to God and His amazing grace. And I'm telling you guys, God wants to rebuild so much. Can you, can you feel the winds of change right now? I can. I feel it with all my heart. I feel it going through me. I feel the winds of change coming. And I have to go to the word and say, okay, Father, what are you speaking in this moment? God is calling out the ecclesia. He's calling out his church. 
An ecclesia is a, is a term that was used, goes clear back to ancient Greece during the classical period, and, and it was a term that was used for a group of people who were free and had all these incredible uh, uh, civil rights and stuff, and they worked together as a group, and they could pass laws, they could tell when there'd be war, they could call for peace. I mean, they had incredible power, this big congregation of people. But when it came into the church, it really means that we are a congregation of believers who God has called out. He's called us out of the world into, like 1 Peter says, into his wonderful light. He's called us that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us. In fact, it says, you are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you are. The world is telling the church right now to sit down, shut up, go away, leave us alone. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Just stay on the hill. Just stay on the hill, mind your own business, we'll let you be. But that's not who we are. We are God's chosen people. And God is calling us out. I don't know if you can hear the heartbeat of God, but I can. God is calling us to continue to put one foot in front of the other. There is this clarion call right now. I don't know if you hear it. Some of you may. But it's a clarion call. It's like a church bell on a cold winter day. Miles away, you hear it ding with incredible clarity. How many know that? You've heard that before. When everything's just right, when the temperatures are right, sound carries in the cold so incredibly far. Well, this clarion call, it's happening. Guys, when, when, when your pain and your fear reaches the highest point, I'm telling you, something has to change. When you have that something has to change moment, how many of you have been in that season or in that season now? You just, you're at the point where you go, Father, something has to change. I can't do this anymore. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. Oh, I've been working so hard, and I'm, nothing's working for me. That, my friends, is when transition breaks through. And I think the clarion call that we're hearing is that transition is coming. And transition, I heard this up at the conference, and I love this. Transition starts with an ending and ends with the starting of something new. God is about to move. The Babylonian systems, they're coming down. They're crumbling all around us. And God has given the church the task of rebuilding cities with kingdom realities. And that is you guys. You guys get to be part of that. God created you for such a time as this. Not to just sit in the pew and, and, and be comfortable. Although I don't think these chairs are that comfortable. God's called you guys to arise and shine. But none of this is going to happen by our own strength. When we hear the voice of the Lord, and I believe it is this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, man, that's going to usher in new wine, and it's coming. And new wine requires new wineskins. We need to stop speaking from our own thinking, and it's time to listen to the counsel of God. There are blueprints, there are wisdoms, there are strategies that God wants to download into your hearts. He wants to make you one of the builders of the cities of God. You know, we pray here all the time, as it is in heaven. 
as it is in heaven. Let it be here on earth. Guys, it's time to build from heaven down and not from earth up. And the only way we're going to do that is we have to go into the throne room. We have to seek God and say, Father, what is your blueprint? What is your designs for this? And I believe that God will show us. Guys, we are called, we hear this all the time, we're called to be culture's influencers. No, no, that's wrong. We're called to change the culture. And we do that by bringing the plans of Zion. Amen? Elizabeth Cooper up at the Renko Conference, she was a phenomenal worshiper, man. She, was a, she had this big old, what was that? Like, was that a kettle drum, Clyde? Man, she's just like, boom! And she's playing the keyboard with one hand and beating on the drum. And it was so amazing. Her passion was off the chart. But she said, let's stop trying to influence the culture. Let's start creating culture like God did and make things beautiful. Things are so ugly right now. But God has placed in us the ability because we're created in his image, we have the ability to create. Let's make things beautiful. I'm calling out. I'm calling out all of the gifted, creative people in here. By the way, that's all of you. <clears throat> to step up your game. And let's create life. Let's create. Let's just create a crazy, amazing, beautiful things for God and his kingdom. Right now, yes, there is chaos all around us. I get that. But I'm telling you, in the chaos, there is opportunity. God's hovering, sees the chaos. He speaks life. God knew and see and saw the possibilities. He knew. Speak into that chaos. Wherever your circle of influence is at, speak into the chaos. Life. Change it. Make it beautiful. You know, guys, I know a lot of you are very tired. Very, very tired. And this was something shared at the conference, but as they were sharing it, I was, they were talking about eagles and how eagles can go seven miles or something like that up into the sky. And people, an eagle doesn't just fly, flap its wings for seven miles straight up. What do they do? They catch the thermals. When I was a young boy, we lived fairly close on the Mojave Desert. We lived fairly close to a lake called Lake El Mirage. Anybody ever heard of that, Lake El Mirage? Oh, a few of you, yeah. And dad would take us out there and they would launch these sailplanes and the sailplanes would be pulled by a pickup truck, moving really fast. They'd cut them loose. They'd catch thermals. And they'd fly for hours. And they'd go in circles above the lake. The lake's 12 miles across, I believe. And they just would go up. And they say inside those, all you would hear is. They said occasionally you'd see an eagle and you could hear the eagles. As they would they'd cry and make that eagle call. And you'd be soaring there with the eagles effortlessly. Isn't that crazy? But listen, but those who hope is in the Lord. Man, I want to be a prisoner of hope. Don't you? I want to be a prisoner of hope. It says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. My hope is in a better tomorrow. But it's not going to come from Babylon ways. It's going to come by God's ways. A better tomorrow. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be faint. Guys, this is a moment of updraft. And if you're tired, just put your wings out. Just open up your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to catch your sails. And just begin to catch that thermal. 
as God takes you up into the heavenlies because it's in the high places, up there in the council of God, that the Holy Spirit will take you. And when you come back, you will be ready to build cities for God. Cities that create beauty. Cities that are filled with love, hope, restoration, peace. The list goes on and on. I want us, our tribe, to be part of this transition. Sorry, Ann. Young man. I want you guys to hear this word. There you're hot. There you go. I'm hot. You're hot. Woo! Woo! I think my wife's the only one who said that to me, but that's okay. <laughs> oh. Love you, man. You too. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, the Lord is moving. <clears throat> when the Lord wants to move, he's going to move. And you either get on or you don't. And I want to get on. Um. So the last uh, couple of weeks, I've been going through a season that, that has felt weird. And I, and I know that many of you, if not all of you, can relate to me in that sometimes you feel like, God, where are you? I don't, I'm not feeling it, you know, as the saying goes. But it doesn't matter. And God reminded me that I need, reminded me of what Jeremiah 29 says. It says, you will find me. When you search for me, when you seek me Woo! with all your heart. Yeah. All your heart. In other words, I'm not going to find him unless I'm seeking him with all my heart. We will find wisdom when we search for it as for, or the Proverbs say, Proverbs 2, as for hidden treasure. God wants to know that we mean it. So two nights ago, my wife and I were at a hotel out of town for anniversary, and my wife woke up about 3 a.m., had a very demonic dream from the enemy. So we woke up, we started praying. And ironically, we both began to see a vision from the Lord at the same time. She, her version of it was a little different than mine. But we both knew that it was for this body. And earlier that day over dinner, over lunch, I think, we had, I, had, I had been praying. I said, Lord, what... What do you want for, for this body, for vineyard? What do you want for me? What do you want for my life? And I, and I believe in these visions. God is, is honoring all of you. <laughs> He's honoring you, and he wants to share with you what you already have and what he wants to do. So we both, my wife and I, first, I want to say first we saw, two, we saw two visions. We both saw one vision. I saw two visions and then I had a dream after I went to sleep. And I don't know if that means, according to Acts 2, whether I'm an old man or a, a young man. <laughs> That's right? good. Do you remember from Acts 2? And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. So I'm middle-aged. That's probably what it means. So... <laughs> I'm 42, so I guess if you're middle-aged, you get both. Um, so we saw, I'm going to share what we saw second. 
we saw jars, wide mouth jars that had the same diameter at the top as the bottom. They, they weren't, they didn't flute up or anything to restrict the flow of what was to come out of these jars. And each jar was filled with layers, multicolored layers of something. I couldn't tell what it was, but it was very, they were very densely packed to the brim, each jar. And the jars represent each of you, if you know Jesus. And they were full, packed full, multicolored like earth tone colors. And, and my wife said, it looks like chocolate chip cookie ingredients. <laughs> and on the top of her jar, there, she saw like a, like a um, mason jar with a lid on it. And I saw a, a wood, something wooden, like a wooden lid on the top of mine. And I didn't know what it was. And we began to talk, uh, say, Lord, what does this mean? What is this? And it was revealed to me that it was a cork. And what it means is God has already deposited in each of you everything that you need. And there, it's multifaceted. And there's the honoring part. There are so many mature believers here. I, I feel so honored all the time. And I honestly feel humbled sometimes too, where I'm like, Lord, what do I even have to offer to this group? Just such an honor to be among such a people. And, and the Lord would just, he honors all of you. And you have so much capability. You have so much potential, so much ability that God has put by his spirit in you. But there is a lid on it. And I have experienced this in my life for the last couple weeks. There's a lid on it. And it's demonic. It's not of God. And for each of us, that lid might be made of different things, but God doesn't want us to focus on the lid. He wants us to focus on what's in us and something else. The first vision I saw, how many of you ever seen those sci-fi movies where this portal opens up from, from the heavens, okay? And it's like this blue fire, and it's... You know what I'm talking about? And it just keeps flowing, I saw this blue pillar of fire come down and just demolish these lids. He didn't just, God didn't just take the lids off. He like full on demolished them with his fire. And the lids could not be taken off from within. Not by power. They could not be removed from the inside. The only way the lids are demolished and removed is from above. A constant flow from above. We will find him when we seek for him, when we seek him with all of our hearts. Um, so I went to sleep, and about two hours later, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw a man sitting in the middle of this congregation. Um, and, and people were around him. I did not recognize him. But he said two things. And he spoke in a way that I don't talk. <laughs> At first, I didn't even know what, he was, what it meant. But I think you might. He first said, and he was speaking of today, by the way. He said, it's brimming at the feet of Jesus' day. 
And what I think it means is you are all brimming. (laughs) And it's at the feet of Jesus that that lid comes off and you overflow. It's brimming at the feet of Jesus. I think it was an angel. He then reminded everyone of what God says. And God doesn't say this in the word, but I, he's saying it. I'm just going to say what he said. I will give you hell and Hades. I will give you hell and Hades. You. I will give you hell and Hades is what he says to you. All of you. And, and it's, I think it's going to be a chain reaction where each of us says, I'm going to be obedient. God, what, that next thing that you're putting in my heart, I'm going to just do it. I'm going to reach out and I'm going to touch that person. I'm going to speak a prophecy. I'm going to encourage that person. I'm going to heal that person. I'm going to go over and say something to that person. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to seek you with all my heart. And just do that next thing. That's all you need to do. And when we do that, there's going to be a chain reaction. And he's going to demolish some stuff. And what's in is going to come out. That's good. Wow. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's stand. How many of you have felt like for a season you've had a lid on you? Well, I believe that was the word from the Lord. But you can't push that lid off. And you've been trying hard. But not by your strength or not by your mind. But by the Spirit of God. I can't tell you how many times God has reached down into my life to pull me out. God wants to pull the lid off. Let's just worship for a moment. We're still early. We're fine. Let's worship for a moment. And I want to clear the front up here. If that's you. If you want the lid to come off and you want everything that God's placed in you to begin to move into the places that God has called you to, <clears throat> this is your moment. I'm telling you, there's, there's a transition coming. And it's not going to be like the days of old. It's going to be so new and refreshing. It's exciting. Don't let the naysayers say, we didn't do it that way. That don't work. Now, open your heart. If you're tired, Lift your wings. Open your spirit. Let the spirit of God take you into the heavens and give you downloads you never dreamed of that'll help you come back and help rebuild the cities of God because God is calling us for that very purpose. Amen? Let's just worship Jesus. And I want to say this. If you don't know Jesus, you've never experienced him, but you want whatever it is you're feeling in your heart to be explained, why don't you come up? Come up, I'd love to talk with you. There are others here who would love to talk with you. Ministry team people with tags, they would love to share Jesus with you. So come on, let's do this.